Welcome to the Hillside Podcast. We trust that you'll be impacted by listening to today's message. Well, it's wonderful to be back at Hillside. Uh, we've just come from Atlanta. This is actually our first meetings in South Africa. Uh, we had a, a snowstorm about four or five days ago, so we really have come from the cold. And yesterday we walked on the beach in Durban. It was so nice to see the sun and to get a little sun in our faces again. So we're just thankful to be back and privileged to be here today. And we're thankful for the relationship that God is giving us with Hillside as we get to know people. You know, that's what we're all about. We don't believe in just a flash in the pan. We believe in relationships and building the body of Christ. And uh, we're thankful this morning because of what Jesus did in our hearts. That's why we're here this morning. Um, We've been uh, traveling to South Africa since 1980, so we have quite a history here. And uh, we love South Africa. We, we really pray for South Africa when we have our times of prayer. And uh, Siggy has ministered here since the 80s and started really in all kinds of areas. We actually started in Bloemfontein in 1980 in a farmer's house in the AFM. So we've gone full circle. We've gone everywhere, every kind of church. But it's wonderful to see how God has broken down and how he's bringing people together and uh, this year we're busy. We're going to be here till six weeks, the end of March. Then we go to, uh, back to Canada. and We live in Atlanta. After that, we're going to go to Argentina. Forty years ago, we were in Argentina, had tremendous meetings. And uh, by uh, just uh, God's leading, we're going to go back there for one more time. And there was such an outpouring of God. Uh, people are hungry there. The economy's not doing too well, but people are hungry. Our friends have just been there. And they say there's just such a hunger in Argentina. So we're going back there. Uh, Forty years ago, Siggy had given a word of prophecy to one pastor there. And as our friends were there this past year, he said, you know, where is Siggy? What happened to her? And so we were just talking the day before. You know, it's time to go back to South Africa. Siggy was just speaking. Huh? Argentina. I'm sorry. Sorry. Anyway, back to Argentina, and the next day we got a call from our friends. So we're going to go back there as a confirmation. And then, of course, Europe. Siggy ministers in German, and in Germany and Europe, there's things happening there, uh, great things happening there. And we, we know that this century, the 20th century, we have great expectations. I don't think we felt an intensity in the battle of things like we did this year. Uh, in, the, in America, I know there's a great things happening We also have a raging battle going on, but we've seen God move in such wonderful ways. You know, there's an artist, some of the the young people would know, there's an artist called Kanye West. Well, you know, it's amazing that God is taking people like that. He's committed his life to Jesus, and he was on Joel Osteen's uh, church service the other day. So it's exciting to see that God is not limited. He's breaking out. He's breaking out all over and to keep our eyes focused on him. So it's great to be here. Siggy's going to come. <laughs> you surprised me. I didn't think I was on so fast. I like to minister out of the book of Judges. I think it's something on my heart. And I'm, I'm actually going to minister the whole book, but um, don't worry. I won't keep you all day. But I'm just going to read from verse 1 to, five, to 9. Then the sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. 
And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, the king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazah, and the commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Hereshet. The sons of Israel cried to the Lord, for he had 900 iron chariots, and he oppressed the sons of Israel severely for 20 years. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Labidot, was judging Israel at that time. She used to sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the sons of Israel came up for her to her for judgment. Now she sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinam, from Kadesh Naphtali, and said to him, Behold, the Lord God of Israel has commanded, Go and march to Mount Tabor, and take with you 10,000 men from the sons of Naphtali and from the sons of Zebulun. I will draw out to you Sisera, the commander of Jamin's army, with his chariot and his many troops to the river, and will give them into your hand. Then Barak said to her, If you will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. She said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the Anna shall not be yours on the journey that you are about to take. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much that your scriptures are so relevant and that you're showing us and giving us key to unlock destiny and purpose. And Lord, I thank you for the days and years we have spent in this nation that you have weaved us into the fabric of South Africa. Lord, that we carry that even when we're gone, we carry it in our hearts and in our lives because you have ordained that we would be a part of this plan. And Lord, I ask you to bless this church in a special way. I pray, oh God, that you will bless Hillside from that you, as they have broken forth and broken out, Lord, that they will go to the mountaintops and that they will fear not the valleys, that they will know that this time is ordained, that this time is the time they'll never come again. Lord, we cannot miss the moment because the moments when they're gone, they cannot come. This is the moment you have for us to to breathe life into us and to awaken us, oh Lord, that we might recognize and know our destiny for such a time as this. So Lord, I just pray that you make this word alive in Jesus Christ's name, amen. You know, the book of Judges is a very interesting book because when you move about, you can see that people are always the same, even if we modernize and we do all kinds of things, but our soul and hearts and our desires never change because God's purpose and destiny has laid within us. Now, when you look at the book of Judges, you can see the cycle of people. You know, that we, it's almost impossible for us to walk in the blessing of the Lord and appreciate it. So many times when God blesses us, instead that we become dependent, we, uh, we become independent and we walk our own ways and make our own plans. And you know, this is what you see in the book of Judges. How many times after Joshua conquered and they came into the promised land, you think they would be on the heights. You think they would have found fulfillment 
I stay for 400 years dreaming about it. And yet you can see how they oppressed, depressed, move from God's way, losing the purpose and losing a destiny. And you know, I know I'm serving the Lord many years. And I think one of the key things is to pursue, to be determined, to stand and not to let the influence from without make you a man and a woman who are moved by circumstances and situation because greater is he who is in us than he is in the world. Now, when you look into the time of Deborah, because I believe that the Lord, the, the church is a woman, it's a bride. Now, it's not in a feminine sense. Now, for you men, it's very hard to understand what it means to be the bride of Christ. Now, the bride of Christ doesn't mean we all run around in white ropes and become feminine. The bride of Christ means it's a mindset. Now, I would say that most Christians have not a bridal mentality. We have a widow mentality. With other words, we live in the things we last, but we have no anticipation for the future. And you see, many people, we have a think we're the bride of Christ, but we mourn our prayer life, our spiritual life. It's not formed to anticipation for the future. It's formed for our losses. It's the things we lose and it forms our prayer life. It forms the way we see. And sometimes God's people, we know Jesus is our future, but we don't know really how to be excited about the future. We have to drum it up and sing something so that we can get excited. But our lifestyle isn't like that. It's a drum and a hum and we don't know how to break out of the oppression and depression. Now, when you see here, 40 years, Israel was oppressed. Took 20 years for them to cry out. 20 years. 20 years. Now, it's very important to cry out. Now, what were they crying out for? Freedom and liberty. And because they cried out, you can go throughout the Bible, you can see that God raises deliverers and raises people up in your life to break the bondage and to bring something forth which sets you free. Now, they were under Sisera. The name Sisera means ready for war, and he lived in Harasheth. Now, what the enemy is doing right now in America too, he wants the Herishat means the silence of the nation. Now, what the enemy wants to do through our oppression, take away our voice. And when he takes our voice and we become silent, the oppression, you have no power to move over your oppression because we have to speak. We have to, it's not just believing, you said that even this morning. It's not just believing in your heart. You have the voice you believe. You have the voice where you are. You have the voice. Now many of God's people, we don't voice anything because we don't want to make people dislike us. So we don't voice it. Now, in America, we have a big battle right now. 
Because you can see, and I'm not going to go into, into politics, but of course you will see Trump, our president, in a total different way than we do because you only have negative things. You don't really see what's happening and why God raised up a man who is not presidential. Now, you can see that God raised up a man. He has become the voice. For what? For the people who've been voiceless for as Christian. You know, the Democrat Party, and, and, and I'm just saying that, as they run right now to beat him because they're so scared, the top guy, Bernie Sanders, it's a communist. He's a socialist. He had his honeymoon in the Soviet Union. He went to Cuba and he believed Venezuela and Cuba is great and he wants that to come to America. Now, us in our generation, hundreds and hundreds of people come out of communism in America. You can meet hundreds of Cuban and East Germans and Russian. No, but we, we lived under communism. Bernie Sanders can't tell us anything. Now, what is he appealing to, to the young people? Oh, when I come on, you don't have to pay university. When I come on, you don't have to pay a doctor. You're going to have your eyes and your teeth. Everything is be free. Now, you know that nothing is free. In Denmark, everything is free, but you pay 70% tax. It's just on the other side. So what happens right now in America is that there has to be a voice form. Out of God's people, the churches have to become powerful because if we lose that, imagine what's going to happen to the world. If the world becomes, if America would become socialistic or communist and every one of these Democrats have late-term abortion, they even kill the babies when they're born. If they decided to abort, now, President Trump was the first president who stand march on the right for life. He spoke. Now, what am I saying in these days? God has to do what? He has to come up to bring voices forth in this day and so that we declare the thing because declarations are powerful. Now, what is so important here? Deborah. She was reigning in an hour of oppression and God raised her up in oppression. Now the church is the only instrument who has prophetic influence. There's no other, no other organization. There is no politics. There is no government who has a prophetic influence. It's only the church who has a prophetic influence. And this is a church's pro prophecy is not just foretelling. Prophecy is declaring. Prophecy is exhorting. Prophecy is edifying. Prophecy is comforting. Prophecy speaks life out and gives hope for the future to bring what forth a new dimension in your life. Now, the name Deborah means honeybee. Now, what does the Lord do to prophets? He's changing your taste buds. Honey 
maybe it's somebody who produces what? Sweetness. Now, basically, every one of us has four basic taste buds. Sour, bitter, salty, and sweet. And you can mix it and max it, and you can have a great dinner. But spiritually, we all of us have to experience to taste and see how good the Lord is. Now, let me just speak a little bit about what it means to be bitter. Now, the Lord speaks about bitterness in our life. Bitterness, he has to turn. Why does he do in the Passover when they went out of Egypt? They had to have bitter herbs. Why? Because the bitterness makes you remember. The bitterness, out of the bitterness as you yield your life comes the perfume. It's like mirror. Mirror is bitter, but when the fire comes, out of that bitterness comes an aroma and the stimulation which people smell and taste. Now, I'm very, I'm very allergic to perfumes. And sometimes when people sit beside me with Estee Lauder perfumes, I have to move away. Because my nose starts running and my eyes start watering and I don't want to be sometimes unfriendly. But then I endure it. But this smell does something to my whole being. And you see this in the spiritual sense. When you produce an aroma, it affects something so powerful. That it stimulates the atmosphere. Now you have to realize that many, many Christians have no smell. Now the reason you don't have no smell is because you don't taste anything. Taste and smell goes many times together. And when you don't have an aroma, you, an aroma does what? Stimulates appetite. When you smell food, you don't need to be hungry. Suddenly you get hungry because you smell the meat or you smell the coffee or you smell the tea or you smell what does smell do? Stimulate. Now you can see if you have no smell, spiritual smell, you cannot stimulate an appetite in people even so you try to convert them because there has to be born a desire in the nations and in a generation. So that is something different in you and for you. Now, the here you can see, first of all, remember how Jesus had to take the sour wine on the cross. And when he took the sour wine, what did he say? It is finished. It was completed. And when you can take the bitterness in your life, and the Lord can move to that bitterness in your life to transform it, to make it sweet. Something becomes complete and finished in your life. Now the next thing which is very important, the taste is to taste saltiness. Because saltiness does not only create an appetite, it creates a thirst. So that salty, when you salty, you create a thirst for the fresh water. And you see, that's why the Lord says what? That you need and me need to be the salt of the earth. So that people, you can be in the ocean. 
and can drink nothing because that salt cannot quench it. But that salt creates what? A thirst and a cry for God in your life and what God wants to do in your life. And so bitter, sour, and bitter, salty, and sour, and sweet. Now, sweetness speaks of satisfaction. That's why the Lord always says, He's sending the children of Israel into the promised land with milk and honey. Because milk speaks of abundance and honey speaks of satisfaction. Now, when Deborah is a honeybee, now what is happens to a bee? A bee pollinizes and produces fruit. Today, I read stories about China. Where the bee hunter, the beekeepers tell you that hundreds of bees are dying. That they're actually worried because we need bees to produce fruits and flowers and environment. Now, I, I, I listened to a documentary once about China. In that industry city, there was not one bee. And you know what they had to do? They had to create a pollen. And thousands of young pioneers take a brush and you could see them, what beasts would do in a matter of minutes and days. They had to do painstakingly for hours and hours so that fruit could be produced. You know, for one, I'm not a beekeeper, but I got a friend who is a beekeeper, but these things I just read. It says, for one pound of honey, a bee has to visit 56,000 clover heads. It says that in a, for one tablespoon of honey, a bee has to make 4,200 trips to do that. They're born to do that. They would die if they could not do that. And you know what happens when, you, when the Lord speaks of honey? When you take a bee... Now talk about Deborah. And the bee is born. And when they say that the young bee would be put in a cell. And they put wax in that cell until the bee grows. Now when the bee outgrows the cell, you know what happened? No mother bee, no queen bee will come and help her. She's from inside out. She has to struggle to break through the honey. And to the box, and she struggled. She has no teeth. She has no, no nails. She has to struggle with all her body weight to push to the honey. Now, what happened? When she struggles and she comes out of that wax, she loosens the, because the wings are tight, glued to the wax on her back. And the struggle, how she comes out of that wax, she loosens the wings, and she starts to fly. That's a known fact that some bees never come to full life. Maybe they don't want to struggle. Maybe they can't. And you see this with many, many of us. I would say that hundreds of people I pray for, God, oh, they always expect God to do something from without. Not knowing 
that we are the temple that he is from within, that we have to break from inside out. That from inside out, the kingdom of God is in and you struggle. There was a purpose and a destiny to break through into purpose and into destiny, what God wants. Now, when you look at Deborah, what did she do? She sat under the palm tree. Now, the palm tree can survive in and has deep roots to find a water level. As she sits under the palm tree, she does what? She judges Israel. Now you have to know there is a very great priority in our life to have, to have the right mindset. Now first of all, when you look at Deborah's life, you can see she was a prophet, she was a wife, and she had a job. She was a judge. Now that's the first thing you're calling your relationship, your job. Most of us job, relationship, God. Or maybe relationship, job, God. Now if you have relationship, job, God last, you will never know your destiny. Never ever. Now we married about, we were married 44 years this year. And I think one of these things in our marriage and our ups and downs in 44 years, traveling and doing these things, for us to survive and for David to be what he is, the man of God, and we can really flow together uh, without, you know, having to argue every time what to do and what not to do, and then pray for hours to find if we argued right. You see what I mean? Now, to come to that place in 44 years, I'm just testifying. We all, both of us, in all our struggle, we had to put our calling in God first. Then our relationship, and then our ministry. And as you do that, what happened? Many of us, we have the horse in the cart, but we put the horse behind the cart and wonder why it doesn't move. First the horse, then the cart. And you will go somewhere in your life. Because, listen, your life is so short. You might think, I was once your age. I wonder where my years have gone. Before you know it, it's gone. Believe me. Because when all the people, suddenly you're in a place and you realize that the times in your life, you could not hold it. You had to make decisions so God could move in your life and through your life. Now, when you look at Deborah, here she is. First, God, prophetess. Now, what did Deborah do in the hour of depression? She changed the taste buds of Israel for years. She stood there and she declared it and she judged and she prophesied and she spoke. What she do? She changed the desire. Because only after 20 years, maybe they wanted to live with the, with the Canaanites who ruled them. Maybe they want to intermingle with them and think, oh, if you're nice to the Canaanites, then they let us be nice. But what happened? You read it in, Deborah, in Judges 5, in Deborah's song. 
how that oppression changed their lifestyle. You see it in, in South Africa, how the circumstances changed our lifestyle, that we have to do anything. They couldn't trade anymore. They had to define different ways of safety. Until then, until ever, has she prophesied, created a desire in the generation to cry out to God, to cry out to what? To have victory, not just a lifestyle. To have victory in our life. And that is the thing. You cannot live always just what you call it in German, Waffenstillstand. That means you don't fight. Many of us, we don't want to fight, but we never get victory. You will never have victory if you don't fight, if you don't become an overcomer, if you don't pursue. Never. You will preserve your life. You will have a lifestyle. But maybe never, never have victory. Now, as I look at that, she was married to Labidot. You know what Labidot means? A lamp and enlightenment. Labidot had to be enlightened to understand in those days the calling of Deborah because in those days no woman was used. And we have to be enlightened to understand that the church is not a survival gathering, that we are life changers. They're life changers of nation and generation, life changers. And when you become a life changer, you have to be enlightened because your life will take on different values, will take on different importance, will take on different situation. Now, what did Deborah do? She challenged Barak. Now, Barak was fighting 20 years the Kenite, but he never had the victory. And if you fight without victory, your mindset will be shaped. Now, what did Deborah do? She came to Barak and she said, this is the hour for victory. He didn't believe her. And that's what he said. If you go, I will go. And he, she said something amazing. She said, all right, I go with you. But you will have no honor in your victory. I was thinking about it and I thought, how important honor is, not just victory. You know what honor means? A good name, public esteem, recognition, one whose worth bring, brings respect, keen sense of ethical conduct, integrity, deference, a yielding or submitting to another judgment. What the Lord said, now many of us, what happened to us? We live a life, we have great results, but we have no honor. Well, let me explain it this way. I just think, I can only think of this one example. As we came from South Africa, we lived here 10 years from 1980 to 1990. We actually tried to immigrate. But as we were in the process to immigrate because we felt such a part of what God was doing in this nation. The Lord one morning spoke to me and he said, uh-uh, you're going to America not for ministry, for your family, not knowing 
the day we arrived, the same month as we arrived, my mom arrived from Germany, who lived always in Germany, could not speak English. And I realized that she was very, she could not keep her thoughts, and of course she got Alzheimer's. And I kept her, David and I kept her, we brought her to immigration, and we looked, I and David and my sister, we looked off and on, she came to help. For seven years after my mom, to my mom. And you know, as I realized that, I mean, I looked at my mom, and I realized how God has to give me a different priority in my life so that I could do what he wanted me to do to have victory. Now, victory is something totally different than being blessed. Victory is something, means not that you always fight, it's you actually overcome. And you know, as I visited, my mom went from one stage to another, and that is really what I was uh, talking about, what I want to tell you, uh, because she became so bad. And I would visit her many times, and she couldn't, she always remembered who I was. And I come, and there's a man sitting, and the doors are open at different stages, and He's sitting there in his bed, and he can't put his shoes on because his body is crippled. So I go into his room, and I say, can I help you? And I want to put on his shoes. And I look all around there, and he has all plaques of his work, what he achieved, what he accomplished, who he is great, this whole room full. And I said to him, how come you're so alone? I never see you with anybody. Yeah, he said, I've been married twice, have six kids. I have no one. You know why? My work was more important than my family. And now here I am, old, and nobody cares. Nobody comes. Why? Sad. But what did he do? And 40, 50 years, plaques. Nobody remembered what he has done, his titles, his doctorates. Not important. All alone. A faint memory. Wives, kids, remember a dad who didn't care. Never victory. No honor. No respect. You know what it means when you go to a home and you see the kids honor the dead? And the kids honor the mom? Today you can go to homes where they have everything from every TV, from every iPhone, from everything they want, but no honor. There's no honor for the dead. There's no honor for the mother. Why? Because they've been just like kids, just older kids. Kids raising kids, never grown, never outgrown, never became men, boys in old bodies, girls in old bodies raising other kids, never becoming mothers and fathers to influence nation and generation. And today, whatever you do, it's more important, I declare to you, whatever your job, it's nothing if you never become the man you're destined to be and the woman you're destined to be. To what? To influence. Now hear Barak. 
a big soldier. Got defeated in his fights. He could not believe there was victory for him. 20 years fighting, never having victory. Believe me, that will do something to you. It will influence your thinking. It will influence who you are. When God gives you victory, you better fight with every ounce of your being because that victory will do more than 20 years of fighting. And we can have always victory. There's seasons and times when God will give you victory and will you become more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus to rise and to become what he wants you and me to become. Now what did she say? She said, you are honor. She shall have victory, but you have no honor. Now he is after Sisera for 20 years. He harassed Israel. And here he comes fighting. And Sisera runs away. And he comes to the house of Jael. You know, Jael was married to they were neutral. She was married to Sipporah's clan, which is Moses' wife. And as she's married to that clan, they invent enemies of Canaan. They lifted them. And you know, as Sisera came, and he comes into the tent, and he comes, he runs away. What did Jael do? She was not a Hebrew. She comes to him. He asks for water. And what does she do? She said, I give you milk. I give you abundance. I give you fatness. And he gives her milk. He, she gives the milk. And what did she create? She creates an environment for the enemy to sleep. An environment. Can you imagine that if she would be nervous? Or she would be scared. She would never, because the environment you create, not what you say is what you are. And just she creates the environment where she, he knows, she thinks she can sleep. It wasn't, she was not nervous. She was not anxious. She had a plan. She had a purpose. And she created an environment for the enemy to fall asleep. And what she do? She took the occasion and took away the power of the enemy. What did you didn't take a sword? You can read it. She took a nail pick, tent pick, and a hammer. And she nailed him. And what happened? A little unknown woman preaching for years has honor. God gave woman honor. And I'm not, God is giving the church new honor. I believe that. He's going to make the church recognize. You know, I hear many great sermons anywhere. But there's nothing more powerful to me when I hear a man and the presence comes out of a woman. It is not just words. It's life. When he lifted what he said, 
When he lifted what he declared, there comes something. It's not even the great revelation or anything. It's something imparted within you. For you cry out within your God, let me run my race. Let me pursue my call. But greater are you within me than you who are in the world. And you know, I believe today as the nations going to trials and tribulations, we as church cannot just be a place where we find a little security on Sunday. We have to become the church. We are the church. Wherever we are, God has a destiny and a plan for you to become a light and a security and a peace and a power. To what? To bring victory. You know, as we go in America, you can feel the struggle. I came to America to be free. I tell you, I mourned for when when President this Obama was in, and they, they would dismantle all the freedoms and liberty. I would mourn, not crying, because I said, God, all these things, what's the world going to be? When you lift under oppression and lift under these things, and you can see as the global world, the global governments, what they're trying to do and trying to believe me, the first thing they're going to go after is the church. That's why we are a very critical point, you and I. That the fears of our life and the fears of, you just say we lost everything many times. You think it means something? Nothing. These things we had to leave would be old anyways. What it did to me, I don't have any sentimental bone within me. I know you cannot things you fight for, cry for, how old in 20 years. Some people fight for things that your kids don't even want it. I know some of the parents keep this thing. You think the kids want it? No. So I don't mean that you can love your stuff, but love them more. Love them more. You can love everything, but love them more. Because I have to love him more. I cannot love him like, like my husband, like my kid, like. Love him more. And when I love him more, God will give me the right priorities to pursue with all my weakness, with all my fears. Doesn't mean they all go away. But you know, doesn't matter what I fear, doesn't matter where I go, there's something bigger, something greater, something Jesus died for that we might have victory and power and glory. And I want to just encourage you because every one of you are born for destiny and born for purpose. Don't be like that guy. Don't let the enemy sidetrack you from things who can't give you anything. God wants us to walk in honor. 
because he wants to honor us as we honor him. We have to honor him so he can honor the church. He can lift the church and bring purpose and destiny and clarity in our life and through our life. Would you bow your head with me, Heavenly Father? I thank you so much for Hillside. I thank you for the church. I thank you for every man and woman here today. And Lord, I ask you for one thing, that you awaken us. Lord, there's many young people here who wonder what they're going to do. Wonder where they're going to go. And I pray today, O oh God, that these young people of South Africa be an instrument in your hand to move into that destiny and purpose you have for this nation, for this generation, and for this time. Oh Lord, I pray for the older ones, some of them who've lived over half their life. Lord, when we look back, our struggles, our victories, there may be scars, wounds, unresolved issues. But today, Lord, in your stripes we're healed. Lord, use us in times and seasons just like you are when you sent the enemy in our camp not to be dominated, but to conquer. That we can create an environment because of who you are in us for the fears and the doubts and the sorrows cannot take away the joy to live for you, the joy to run for you. And Lord, we have to confess that many of us love you, but we lost our joy. We lost our vitality. We lost our strength. And this morning I pray, Holy Spirit, come and breathe upon every one of us. Let us not walk in oppression, but help us to cry out so you can send deliver us. People, oh God, you can bring into our life and circumstances who break us free and set us free. Lord, I thank you for the ministry. That's what the ministry is all about. It's in the ministry is not there to be a stars. The ministry is there to perfect the church and to mold the church and to move the church so that we become bright, that we have anticipation of tomorrow because you are bridegroom and you are life and you are purpose. I don't know. I just wonder this morning if there's anybody here this morning who says, Siggy, I need a new touch.
I need the Holy Spirit to breathe upon me. I love the Lord, but I'm just discouraged. You know what discouragement does? It brings depression. And depression kills joy. And when you have no joy, you have no strength. And I just want you to look for a minute. I don't want just you to come because you want a prophecy or a blessing. I just want you to come if you have the courage. That you need the Lord to touch you. That he can honor you as you honor him. Barak fought the victory without honor. But a little woman we speak about, talk about, because she had the strength to do what men would be afraid to do. And so I pray that the Lord will touch you to stay that this is not just a meeting, but a transformation in your life. You know what it means? That you will know the point where the Lord has touched you. Where you walk the new walk, a higher level, a new step, and a new glory. So if you that person, I'm just going to sit down and you can come. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear your story if you've been encouraged by this episode. You can connect with us on Facebook or leave a review on our podcast.